Welcome back to Real Talk with Demetrius and AJ. As was mentioned before, uh, we do have special guests in studio, Mr. Jim Brown. Yeah, Mr. Jim Brown. Yes. Football legend, legacy, icon. Great man. Great show. All around general good doer. I'm very happy to be here and I'm very happy to be listening to the brilliance of two young people. Congratulations. Oh, thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, so just to get started, I guess our first question that we want to throw out to you is we were talking a little bit before the break about poverty and some of the challenges that come along with that. I mean, you don't, I know that you've been involved with championing uh, some of the problems that come along with that through your work with your American organization. You guys do a, on a variety of levels, so if you would just let our viewing audience that doesn't know what that is about. Well, American was created because of the violence in this country, particularly among uh, Latinos and African Americans. And Mr. Farrakhan came to Los Angeles and he had a program called Stop the Killing. That night he brought about 50 gang members to my house who had been warring with each other. And uh, there were tears and uh, it was amazing that uh, these young men wanted to change their life. Mm -hmm. And I always say young men, but women always get upset. <laughs> But the problem is the men, not the women. So there are so, but there are some women gangbangers. There are too, some right? women gangbangers, but the lightweight. They're influenced by the men. Right, right. What I realized is that a lot of these young men wanted to change their lives, didn't know how, and they were caught up in this whole thing of uh, machoism. And so I continued the meetings, and out of that we developed a educational curriculum, which uh, was based on the fundamentals of how to be successful. And when you are working on being successful, your self-esteem come up, comes up. And I always found that self-esteem was at the bottom of everything, a lack of self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So the combination of education and stopping the violence became Americans' uh, kind of call and cry. And we're all over the country now. And a lot of young people have changed their lives around. They're doing very well. Yes. And uh, that's American. How long? How long has American uh, been operational? Well, I would say since 1988. Mm -hmm. 1988. It's a long time, and it takes a long time. Yes. The journey is uh, not the destination. It is the journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, time doesn't matter as such. You have to change a culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to say this off the top. The problem is really that in the African-American community, we don't take control of our community. We don't make it safe. We don't make it loving. We don't make the family thing, uh, uh, you know, our mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't let the economics come in the proper way. Right. And then we cry the blues. Mm -hmm. But how can you imagine young men killing each other? you know, having their mothers suffer, their children suffer, mm -hmm. and the African male not being a father in his own community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these things are almost uh, unheard of, but that's the cause of the big problem that we have with African Americans in this country today. Yes. <clears throat> well, you heard earlier we were talking, uh, AJ and I were talking about uh, poverty and its correlation uh, with crime. Uh, has it been uh, your finding throughout your work that uh, the reason uh, young African Americans are finding themselves getting into trouble 
uh, in terms of crime is uh, directly correlated with uh, the fact that uh, they're impoverished or uh, they, they just live in poor communities? That's really a, a ticklish question. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give you a direct answer. In Los Angeles, there's a middle class uh, area and the gangs, the gang that comes out of that area are the rolling 60s. Mm -hmm. And they're not poor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're educated, they got money, and they got class. Right. But they're killers. Right. And so there goes the reason of poverty. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the no, most notorious, probably the most notorious gang. Well, it's being, they're being turned around now because Big Hugh is back out of jail, and he's doing a tremendous job. I mm -hmm. just have to shout out to Big Hugh, man. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of meeting Big Hugh, and he's an extraordinary gentleman. He really Absolutely. is, and thank God, you know, for those kind of young men. Big Rock is also back from doing a job in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He was training some juvenile delinquents there. So you have the good things. But uh, poverty is going to affect everything. Mm -hmm. Crime is definitely going to go up because when people can't eat, they they're take. Gonna, they're going to take. Right. They're going to do something. Drugs are going to be sold. Absolutely. And you find out that, I mean, gangs turn on each other. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Latino gangs find that they're being jacked mm -hmm. by African-American gangs, et cetera, et cetera. So poverty and uh, the fact that people do not have uh, their self-esteem when they're in a impoverished state uh, has a whole lot to do with the murder that goes on, the mm -hmm. robbery that goes on. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so, but it isn't the only reason, so I don't want to put that out there. Absolutely. But it does play a major part. We know that um, uh, back a, a few decades ago, you were involved and very instrumental in creating something called the Black Economic Union that in a different way was to begin to start getting the leaders of our African-American community together to take responsibility for the community. Um, would you say something about how that came into being and what that process was like? Well, if you analyze the African-American community and the, the habits that we put forth, we're the only community that doesn't really take care of itself. Uh, we're the only community that other people come in and set up shop, mm -hmm. take our money to other communities and build up their communities. Mm -hmm. uh, the Black Economic Union was an organization created so that black people would have an opportunity to become uh, entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, they could get uh, loans, the reasonable uh, interest rate. They could. Uh, we had a national business planning team. They can get the expertise from these MBAs, and uh, they could become real business people. Mm -hmm. And we affected over 400 black businesses in this country. Now, the unique thing about the Black Economic Union is that we used the top black athletes because they had the money mm -hmm. and then they had the fame so they could influence people. Mm -hmm. Then we used some of the top black MBAs from the best schools in the country. Mm -hmm. My number one guy was a graduate of Harvard, magna cum laude, Spencer Jardine, uh, John Wooten, Colorado, mm -hmm. Dean Buchanan, Princeton. Mm -hmm. So you put the brains and the notoriety and the money together and then you can create the economics properly. What was the response when you were uh, put, putting together this organization, the Black Economic Union, uh, in terms of the individuals who have uh, possibly have come from uh, poor beginnings and a meager background and eventually became successful through sports, through entertainment, what have you, through business? 
what was the response from them when you would go and ask them to be involved in something like this? Well, fortunately, uh, during those days, uh, most of us understood education mm -hmm. because discrimination was overt. Mm. I mean, you were black man, you were on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so education became so important, and we utilized our education to the T. Mm -hmm. All of our guys graduated. I don't know how many athletes graduate today. Mm -hmm. And we took pride in that. Because when I said Spencer was from Harvard, Harvard was probably number one school right. in the country. And we're very, very proud of that. And so the intelligence that we utilized mm -hmm. was at the forefront of everything. In other words, why should we victimize our own community? Why don't we bring something to our community? Why don't we use the fact that we have fame? Why don't we use the fact that we have money? Mm -hmm. And we did. We put all of those things into play. Coming out of that, 400 black businesses. Yes. Earth, wind, and fire. Mm -hmm. Right here in uh, <laughs> right here, the Friends of Distinction. It's you my know. favorite group, too. Right? <laughs> but, but think about it. Friends of Distinction. John Daniels at Mavericks Flats on mm -hmm. Crenshaw Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all over L.A., man. Ladera Heights was nice. Mm -hmm. the Crenshaw District was beautiful. Yes. Because we were functioning as uh, intelligent, caring uh superstars mm -hmm. who didn't take that to our heads and then leave our community we used everything that we could use and uh eventually the there's a picture of all of us with muhammad ali mm -hmm. because at the time he was the guy that stood up and fought for everything right and he did not want to go into the service because of his religion mm -hmm. so we put together a, co a coalition of individuals and invited ali to my office in Cleveland mm -hmm. for a conference mm -hmm. and in that conference we uh, found out that he was very genuine mm -hmm. and so we came out and we supported him mm -hmm. internationally we supported him and it helped him because he never went to jail right and so that was the way that we operated from a base of intelligence yes yes and if you're an intelligent black person you would say that we're an embarrassment to ourselves because how can we allow our youngsters to become killers in their own community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How can we as fathers have the FBI say the number one reason for crime in our community is that there are no black fathers mm -hmm. taking responsibility of their biological children. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a lot of us have to become surrogates to young men that are 35 and 40 years old. Mm -hmm. But if we don't give them that love and caring, then they're out there doing the same things that they did when they're 21 years old. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about uh, the self-esteem and the psych psychology of, of, of poor people. And I just wanted to get your take on, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of argument from the other side about entitlement programs, uh, you know, such as welfare and food stamps and things of that nature, and that a lot of people um, are, you know, taking advantage of it. Not, not just African-Americans, but people of all colors are just taking advantage of it and just sitting complacent because they know they're going to get a government check uh, every month. Um, what's your thought on that? And uh, do you think that the social entitlement programs uh, are a hindrance uh, to African-Americans being able to, to uh, get uh, economic independence? <laughs> well, they're definitely not going to create economic independence. <laughs> they're not designed for that. In fact, they most of them eliminate the man. 
because mm-hmm. on welfare with so many kids, you can get a pretty nice check. But if you have a man in the house, then all that goes out the window. You're right. That's so there's true. a right. trick. People elect not to marry and stuff like that. That's, that's, right. Right. that's right. Young women that's would right. have more children so they could get more money. That's and right. see, mm-hmm. the big scheme is that capitalism isn't what it's supposed to be. Capitalism is not democracy. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's happened, this whole program with everything you've been talking about, points to capitalism running amok. Mm -hmm. Three people got all the money. Mm -hmm. That's an exaggeration, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying three people got all the money. That's the 1%. What are you going to do? Right. All right? Right. Now, when you go back and look at what you have to do, you have to rebuild these communities. It's more about communities than it is people as such. You can talk about, you know, in America, you can come from the bottom to the top. Yeah, you can do that in America. Mm-hmm. But that's one person, two people. But when you're talking about the Crenshaw districts and Odera Heights and all of these different watts and th- these different communities, if these communities are being built up, you're going to have to have all the services that mm-hmm. it takes to build up a community. Mm-hmm. And then that takes cooperation from the government business and everybody else Mm -hmm. so these other programs are to help people that really need that help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't cut them out or blame them right for everything but what you can do you can point your finger at yourself Mm -hmm. and you can look at some of our uh, carpetbaggers and we can expose them Mm-hmm. Because everybody that's supposed to be bringing business to the black community for the sake of black people, well, they're going to make a lot of money and their cronies are going to make a lot of money, but the jobs that they create are low-level jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the approach has to be totally different. Those of us who have it have to reinvest it. Mm-hmm. And we have to go back to the basic education. We have to start with our schools, start with the violence, and then go to our schools. Mm-hmm. I think we're 17th in the in the country, in the world, as far as the educational system. Mm-hmm. And we're allowing our kids not to become educated. We're allowing this hip-hop culture to take over. Mm-hmm. And we're allowing these black heroes who aren't really heroes to be put in front of our kids so that everybody can be uh, striving to be a great singer, a great rapper, a great movie star. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not how the Jewish community does it. Mm, speak. <laughs> that's real talk. That's it. real talk right there. That's not how you <laughs> look at history and people that have been minorities that have suddenly become a, a major part of uh, the voice of this country. They did it through being united, mm-hmm. dealing with family the right way, understanding the value of education Mm -hmm. and all of those principles so until we apply the principles that will rebuild a community then we're whistling dixie absolutely so that's the way i look at it Mm -hmm. you said on your program any opinion is no absolutely (laughs) no opinion is inadmissible here that's what we want that's what you said okay now that it just makes the point that it is it seems like now the onus of responsibility falls upon us to figure out how as concerned people in the African-American community recreate something. Not to figure out. To, to, to do, do it. it. To do it. Yes. To do it. We already yeah. know it. I just tell to you what do to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Then, <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, so you're willing <laughs> to be our mentor on this? Well, I'm, I am a mentor. I, yes. I'm a mentor every day. I, Wonderful. I'm in Chicago because the crime rate is up and the kids are killing each other. I've been with Minister Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. I've been with a lot of the Catholic priests there. 
I've been with a lot of street guys there, Kubla and, and Philip and all of the guys. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't like to talk too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I listen to the conversations, man, they're beautiful because the knowledge that you guys display is fantastic. All of the things that you know, but then you have to take that and deal with the practical situations. Absolutely. And get your hands a little dirty and truly put into action a lot of things that you're talking about as if somebody else is supposed to do it for you. All you're supposed to do is holler out that's happening and then someone else will come out of nowhere and then do it for us. Well, we have to do it. Absolutely. And I'm actually looking forward in uh, being part of that and and doing what I can to to revive that. And uh, that goes for all of you uh, successful African-American figures out there. We're going to be coming coming after you. We're We're going to be coming to ask you to help out with this. And uh, we're going to call you out if you don't want to help. Everybody, I think everybody should know. Uh, who's willing to help their community and who's not willing to help their community. So, And just remember, that might affect your bottom line as far as your income. So we're going to move on, but we are coming. Um, we want to talk, you heard us talk about the campaign a little bit. And uh, so we just want to kind of jump in and see, uh, and you can be as real as you want to with this. Uh, we want to get your opinion on uh, the, both the campaigns, President Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And uh, just give us your insight on the campaign and what you think about the job that Barack Obama has been doing over the last four years. Boy, that's really a great question. First of all, you called it out when you said uh, he got his butt kicked. Oh, yeah. Man, it was embarrassing. That was terrible. <laughs> I couldn't twist and turn and find anything. <laughs> and I was twisting because, you know, I like the president. <laughs> I, I think really I got do. up in the middle and just went to go get some nachos or something. I didn't want to listen to the rest of it. It was know, pretty bad. I know. And, you know, the reality is that the young man is inexperienced. He's a young man that's inexperienced. He's highly intelligent. He's a great speaker. Okay? But uh, it doesn't mean that he's brilliant enough to take what Bush left him mm-hmm. and turn this country around. Mm-hmm. Now, if he gets back in, I believe he will then turn loose this whole idea that he has to get reelected because his term will be up. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking forward to. But uh, as far as the presidency, and I think you kind of brought it out, what is the choice between the two candidates? What is the real big difference? Mm -hmm. But sometimes the position of president means that you're in this system in America that if you don't get cooperation from all sides, you can't do a doggone thing. Absolutely. And sometimes uh, that's like the kiss of death. Mm -hmm. So this young man is blessed with being black, (laughs) which in America is tough. That's that's a great way to put it. And what you have now is people that are maneuvering, manipulating the economy until he gets out of the White House. I hear there are certain rich individuals that control a lot of power and money that's holding their money and power back Mm -hmm. so the economy can do everything they want it to do just to get him out. And I think because of racism, a lot of things have been done to keep him from being able to do what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're once again caught into the situation in America of capitalism running amok. Mm-hmm. Here we are discussing intelligently what is supposed to happen and, and all of that. But the simple thing is that there are certain people that basically have the power. 
Mm-hmm. There are other people that have no power. And uh, we're sort of caught in this whole dream that we are the greatest country in the world. But yet, if you talk about poverty and, and you bring up one word, socialism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you might get shot. Absolutely. <laughs> because it means <laughs> that those capitalists do not, well, they don't want to hear that. Right. And so what am I doing? I'm mumbling around, talking around, because that's what I have to deal with. I don't have anything out there that I could tell you that is bringing me to a position of uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very mm-hmm. pessimistic at this particular time, and particularly because, and I'll end by saying this, Obama surprised me in his performance, mm-hmm. because the one thing he always did is talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, this man is articulate, he's bright, He's quick, and uh, he had one of the greatest campaigns of any president in the history of this country. Absolutely. When he routed all the young people and all of those particular committees that he created, and he got the people fired up, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he became elected against all odds Mm -hmm. because he was brilliant in his campaigning. Yes. But now when you look out there after that particular debate, what do we have? And see, he's had to sacrifice his interest in black folks so that he wouldn't lose a lot of the white support he had. Right, absolutely. So he couldn't be a president that Tavis Miley could agree with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to throw it in. <laughs> Tavis, be cool, man. Right. <laughs> Jesus Thank Christ. you, yeah. You Tavis, know. we love you, man, but chill yeah, out. Yeah, give him a man a break, you know what I mean? <laughs> him and, and Cornell. Yeah, they got a point with my God. <laughs> you know, it's very difficult to get that, Tavis, you know. <laughs> you can't just become a black president. Right. Right. Fighting for black people, you know, you have to try to walk the line, and he tried to walk the line, but I was disappointed in some ways, but then I try to understand the long term. Mm-hmm. And in the long term, we've got to help him win this one, and then tell him that he's got to come out with all guns firing. Absolutely. He's going to have to help us, he's going to have to help the country, and he's going to have to come out uh, uh, with some of that brilliance that's going to be applicable to us and poor people and Latinos and women mm-hmm. and all folks. Mm-hmm. It's a big it's a big mission. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, obviously there's a lot of ambivalence about uh Barack Obama's performance. A lot of people are like, you know, I'm just gonna stay home. I don't see any change yet. Uh, it's it's no point. Uh but I think we can agree that uh at this point we can see that Barack Obama's a better choice than Mitt Romney in terms of the policies that, that he wants to put through. Can we not agree on that? Well, I can agree on it. I don't think you're a co-host. <laughs> I will agree and say that Obama is at least aligned with a camp that purports to have the interest of the people at heart more than the Republican side. I can agree to that. That purports. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, purports. What does that mean? <laughs> that they jiving or something? <laughs> I don't know. If you look at the policies hard, it's, it's tough to determine. It's still yet to be determined. Well, the jury's out. The, well, I told you the, the position of President it's a difficult one. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have a Senate, you have a House, you have different uh, check points. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to be a magician almost to uh, get through that. Mm-hmm. Lyndon Johnson and Jack Kennedy, a real case of politics because 
John Kennedy was known as a great president. Uh, they loved him. They liked his look. His family was beautiful. You know, Jackie was beautiful, and mm -hmm. he liked black folks and so forth, but he couldn't get anything through for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then along came Lyndon Johnson, southern boy, mm -hmm. country boy, big old hat on his head, some boots on his feet, and he got the Civil Rights Act passed, mm -hmm. and it killed his political career. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably the only black person that uh, appreciated it. Mm -hmm. You guys didn't know that, did you? That yeah. Lyndon Johnson was our hero? Yeah. Yeah, I, I we know the legislation got, came through Lyndon Johnson. Johnson. Did you ever voice it? But a lot it? of the work came in. Did you ever voice it? No, I, I can't say that I've ever voiced it. No. Well, it should be voiced because when you're talking about change in the government, some people make a lot of sacrifice for change. Mm -hmm. And they know it's going to be their last time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And that made the difference uh, in a lot of our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, uh, female lives. And so I just brought that up because our form of government is very complicated. Mm -hmm. And capitalism is I'll say one thing to you. Sure. The state of the people dictate the kind of government that's best. Mm -hmm. So capitalism now run amok. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's messed up. It's, it's, it's gone to the extreme. And I don't care who is president, they're not going to fix it very easily. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. There might be a revolution to change things. Because Absolutely. ultimately, it goes That's to revolution. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, it is. And uh, when you talk about those poor people and these 100,000 homeless you have in L.A. and all of this dissatisfaction, uh, you, you don't see too many answers coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally agree that, that uh, the government is pretty much held hostage by businesses in this country. And, you know, it's evident in the uh, the uh, Citizens versus United case that came through the Supreme Court, which allows corporations to directly uh, give to campaigns at an unlimited amount. Yep. And so yep. now that's that basically changes the entire game. So in order for us to fight against that, we the people uh, have to just just come out in numbers and uh, and let it be known what we are here for and not just sit back and let the corporations take this thing over. Yeah, that's my opinion on it. We're going to be discussing that next week for sure uh, on the next show that's coming up. And uh, but we're running out of time oh, yeah. now. Oh, but we would flies. like to we would like to thank you very much for joining us and for being here with us and yes. to say that no matter what Absolutely. happens <laughs> and no matter who becomes the next president of the United States, that we know that you're going to continue to champion and uh, the causes and be the leader that you've been and to continue to impact the amount of people's lives that you've impacted. Uh, so we thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. Yes. Absolutely.